Hello, welcome to Meet Your District Supervisor. I'm Holly Lee Knox, and we're here with Supervisor Eric Marr from District 1, which includes the Richmond District, Golden Gate Park, and Lincoln Park. Supervisor Marr was elected in 2008 and is about halfway through his first term. We're going to get to know him and talk about the toughest issues facing the city. Welcome, Supervisor Marr. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Let's start by talking a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, went to school, the kind of jobs you've worked. So I grew up in Sacramento, California in the South area, went to public schools, um, ended up at UC Davis, um, but made my way out to San Francisco in 1984 um, when I was a college student and I was sitting in on classes at San Francisco State as well. But uh, I remember growing up um, at that time on Clement Street, so I've always lived around inner Richmond District, Clement area. And I think learning about all the ethnic businesses, I think we called the Richmond District the new Chinatown in the 80s at that time. And just being around a tremendous, unique neighborhood of the Richmond and just discovering San Francisco in the 80s kind of as, as I grew up. But I also have kind of been very active as a community um, organizer. I worked in Chinatown at the Chinese Progressive Association. And some first jobs were also at the mental health center in the Richmond District called Richmond Area Multi-Services in the 80s, and then I was also a, a staffer at the Chinatown Youth Center. Now it's called Community Youth Center, and they're on 6th and Clement. A lot of employment training in the Richmond District as well. So a lot of my work has been supporting community empowerment, especially of immigrant and people of color communities. Um, I most recently have been teaching at San Francisco State. I was an ethnic studies teacher, Asian American studies, and I ran the Immigrant Rights Coalition in the city in the 90s for several years. And I'm also an immigration attorney, and a lot of my passion is supporting a voice and empowerment for immigrant communities in the city as well. So why did you choose to live in San Francisco? I guess a lot of people always bring this up, but I, it's one of the most exciting culturally and politically diverse places in the world, I think. But it's always being challenged by different points of view. Um, learning about new cultures and people from different parts of the world. And I think the Richmond has always been like a gateway neighborhood, um, not just for the new Chinatown, as it was called in the 80s, but for Russian-speaking immigrants, for people from the Caribbean. There's just so many different uh, mixtures of people along the Geary Corridor or Balboa or Clement. And I guess my district, like many other um, neighborhoods in the city, is kind of what draws me to it. And then just the political life, too, of um, people very passionate about their own communities and their lives, but also interacting with others from around the world and other neighborhoods. But it's it's been wonderful. Um, I also am really a supporter of the arts, especially community arts, and just learning about other people's experience from artistic means. Um, so we're lucky in the Richmond District to have Golden Gate Park with the Museum and the Academy of Sciences and so many other um, institutions, but also a lot of community art centers um, from Frankenart Mart on 6th and Balboa to um, Park Life on Clement, but there's all these community art spaces that I just love and it makes our neighborhood so much more um, colorful and livable as well. What motivated your interest in politics? I guess I've always been somebody that's passionate about civil rights and equality for everyone. And I've got a 10-year-old daughter, so um, having a, a girl has made me much more sensitive to gender equality and other issues too. But I guess I've always been somebody that's um, vocal about my politics. But I think as a supervisor, I'm having to listen to many perspectives before making um, key decisions. As an activist in Chinatown um, and with the Asian Pacific American Labor Alliance, I've always felt that working families and people who um, work kind of so hard in our neighborhoods 
need to have much more support and a voice kind of in politics as well. So it's always been about giving more voice to immigrants or the underserved and workers and working families in the city. That's what drives my passion as a supervisor. So tell me about uh, the process of running for supervisor. What did you learn from the campaign process? Was anything surprising? I guess I had to move from just being a regular person that gets his kid, barely gets his kid to school on time and makes her a healthy lunch to having to go to photo ops and, and debate many people. I was on the school board for eight years, though, beforehand, so I had some training. And then I was in the Democratic Party's um, Central Committee for years before that and was one of the champions and advocates for district elections, which is the system we have now. But I think I learned that the Richmond District has a lot of unique characteristics, but there's also um, many, many different points of view from older Russian-speaking families to um, small business owners to um, younger kind of art-loving hipsters in areas, but there's a whole bunch of different types of views. So campaigning for supervisor meant having to listen to a lot of those and to try to find commonalities and to unite people together around improving the Richmond for working families, seniors, and everyone that lives there here. Where do you fall on the political spectrum? Are you on the left, on the right? I guess I frame my politics as I support working families, a livable community, and definitely strong support for the small businesses because they're the backbone of the economy. Some have said that I'm a progressive, and though I don't like terms too much because I think it boxes us in, I've always considered myself as having progressive politics because I believe in a vision where people have um, their needs met, and there's a, um, I believe in equity in, in when people have special needs that we should be considerate of that. And I also feel that um, working families and the lowest income population should have a safety net kind of and we should have human rights and equality and civil rights for people as well. And if that's being a progressive, then I'm very proud of being a progressive. What do you think um, are some of the biggest issues facing San Francisco? Well, I think right now there are so many people out of work that local hiring and jobs and creation of new jobs, whether it's in the high-tech economy with Twitter or other types of um, workforce issues moving forward and business is moving forward to creation of um, the building con construction that local um, residents have a, a good shot at jobs. So the John Avalos um, local hiring measure was really important and we have to work with the mayor to make sure that we get residents, especially from our lowest income neighborhoods. But even from my district, there are pockets of poverty and many, many people that are out of work. So it's supporting those um, unemployed and underemployed people, supporting struggling small businesses in a difficult economy. Um, and I, I support um, the small businesses versus more chain stores that seem to be coming into some of the vacant storefronts. But I'm trying to be very sensitive to the local merchants because I think they make up the unique character of our neighborhoods and the diversity of our neighborhoods. So those are some challenges supporting small businesses, local hiring, and getting people back to work in our city. Are there other issues that are specific to your district? And how do you balance the needs of the, the issues in your district against the uh, needs of the city as a whole? Well, I know that our district has a higher proportion of seniors than some other districts, and there's a brand new senior complex um, and wraparound community services complex called the Institute on Aging Bridge Housing Complex that's on Arguello and Geary, but it's going to concentrate a lot of the senior services and nonprofits and uh, about 180 units of senior housing, affordable senior housing in our district. So I've been, I'm actually a baby boomer at the edge of the baby boomer, and I know that baby boomer era 
and there's this huge boom in the population of seniors in our city that will grow. I think by 2020, 60% of the population will be seniors. And I think some people are now defining 60 and over, but I think generally people are looking at 65 and over. But it's a huge population. Um, I'm trying to look at um, issues of senior nutrition programs, um, Alzheimer's research, but even housing policies that allow our buildings to become more um, senior friendly. And I guess we're calling it developing an aging friendly city building policy. We're also looking at how to support um, senior services and unique uh, neighborhood by neighborhood programs that are called aging in place or village models that allow um, people who are older or seniors or getting older to be able to support each other and to stay in their homes and their communities longer so that they could be contributing to their communities as long as possible as opposed to institutionalizing them, which costs quite a bit more. So I'm looking for, um, looking with senior groups at ideas of how to create more aging in place programs neighborhood by neighborhood as well. But I think those are key issues. I'm also kind of as a father of a 10 year old, um, I have anxiety like other parents right now as we apply for middle schools um, for my daughter. So she's moving on from elementary to middle. But as a member of the school board for eight years, I know that uh, strong school system and strong schools in the Richmond is key. But also from the birth to five population, I serve on the first five commission. Each county has a commission that oversees money that supports um, children, um, toddlers and infants to pre-K, pre-kindergarten kids. So I'm trying to ensure that at the state level we advocate for strong support for um, young children and their families and good parenting support as well. So that's another key focus in addition to continuing my work to improve the schools and make them more equitable and so socially just as well. So once again, the city is faced with um, really tough budget decisions, including where to make cuts and uh, whether to increase taxes and fees. How are you going to approach these difficult choices? Those are really tough questions. Um, and I think often the economy in San Francisco is, is not in a vacuum. And we're impacted by the state and the federal government as well. So we need to be advocating with our legislative um, delegation kind of at the federal level to prioritize, I think, health and human services, job development, and workforce development and important projects for our city as much as we can. And at the state level, as we face this huge um, budget deficit as well, to make sure that there's flexibility in spending at the local level. But I absolutely think that we need revenue measures that come on the ballot. And voters have to be thinking about ensuring that we have enough revenue so that we maintain um, infrastructure, kind of the building and the maintenance of streets and buildings and um, even kind of um, parts of the coast, kind of Ocean Beach is part of my district as well, but that we're really ensuring that infrastructure is there, but also that we have money um, that um, to protect the critical safety net for seniors and young children and families and the most vulnerable in our communities as well. But I think those are key questions as the budget, um, the difficult budget for our city comes forward. I'm going to be working with a coalition of um, family-based and community-based groups and seniors to ensure that we protect our human services for seniors and the most vulnerable in our communities, especially families and kids as well. What are your ideas on dealing with the issue of homelessness? I think homelessness has been kind of this structural problem, not just in our city, but other uh, metropolitan areas. And I think at least at the short term level, I think we've made some progress in ensuring that there's cleaner 
and safer shelters so that people have somewhat of a transition to transition from homelessness to um, stable housing. But when we look at the um, numbers of affordable housing units that would, might allow people to get more on their feet or even workforce development or educational opportunities to help a mother who's homeless, for example, to get on her feet, we need much more of that and we can't be cutting programs that will make it worse, that will increase the homeless roles. I, I believe that the homeless um, Project Homeless Connect and some of the programs that were created by previous administrations are not enough. And we need to look at kind of transitional housing, but also continuing the types of support to help people get back on their feet. Um, the job training and other types of programs that um, the Mayor's Office of Economic and Workforce Development are working on are really important to, to ensure that unemployed people and potentially homeless people can um, be trained in the new green economy and green jobs. There's also a lot of other types of workforce development that's being done, but I think it has to be targeted at some of the lowest income, highest uh, vulnerability populations in our city, and that would help prevent homelessness from growing. But I, I hope that kind of as we look at homeless policy, we take a humane approach that doesn't kind of blame homeless people for their own predicament, but looks at how we can improve the economy, jobs, and educational opportunities for many people who are currently homeless. So you started to touch on this a little bit, um, the city's housing needs. What do you think the Board of Supervisors should be doing to address some of these needs? Even as we're, we're going to be holding a hearing on senior housing needs in a few weeks, and we did a study with the Budget Analyst Office that shows that there, um, there's a huge need for housing, especially for affordable housing for the lowest income population, but even for a middle income aging population, there's nowhere near enough um, housing that's affordable for people. So it may mean an exodus of more working families or seniors that are middle or lower income from the city unless we build more housing that's affordable. Um, there's also the danger that San Francisco becomes a city that loses its families because it's um, maybe cheaper or more affordable to live in Daly City or down the peninsula or across to the East Bay. So I think creating um, livable neighborhoods that are um, accessible and friendly to families. So it's the number of units that are built or the number of bedrooms and the types of units that are built. Parking is kind of the other one of the other issues. I, of course, support um, San Francisco being a leader in the transit-first city, but I also see at times that people may need that car, to, uh, especially if you have a family, to get your kids from Treasure Island, for example, one of the developments, to um, the main part of San Francisco instead of being isolated by um, being on the island. So I do think that we have to look at transit policies from a perspective also of the needs of families as well. Let's talk a little more about transportation, specifically in your district. Um, how is muni service? Uh, what about parking, traffic? San Francisco's transportation system, the Muni system, I, I believe has a lot of um, great qualities and I, I take the 38 Geary and the 5 Fulton often um, to get around the city and we have good bus lines in our Richmond district. Um, I'm always looking at creating more efficiencies and finding where um, the needs are. There have been some cuts over the years though to, to bus lines like along the outer Richmond district area that have left many seniors without um, a bus route to get up the hill to, um, or to get down the hill to go do their grocery shopping. So we're looking at um, how the system might not be um, closely enough 
based on the needs of people, like especially seniors or disabled people. Um, there's also some bus lines that are less used in the Richmond district, um, like the two Clement, that we're now working with the Muni system to try to think about making some changes to continue the line, but to maybe reduce its frequency, but to continue its um, access for many people that live in isolated parts of the city. But I, I strongly support um, stronger um, youth discount passes and supporting um, the bus system so that younger people have strong access. And we're trying to work with the school district right now and the city agencies to ensure that younger people get um, more support. At, and we want them to be lifelong um, transit riders as well. So we're trying to look at different issues of transit um, equity for younger people in our population as well. What's happening with crime in your district, and how do you think our police department is doing? Um, I'm very lucky, and Richmond District residents are extremely lucky to have a great police captain, Rich Korea, and really great officers within our police department um, on 6th and Geary. Um, but I think a lot of the issues in our neighborhood tend to be graffiti, um, car boostings. Sometimes there are robberies, and there's the occasional killing that happens in our district, but it's nowhere near the level of violence and different um, problems that many other districts have. But I, I often walk the district with our police captain and look at the ComStat. It's the, the data that comes out to look at where crimes happen within the district around USF, um, you know, University of San Francisco, for example, and where there are different bars and late night activity, often there's different types of criminal activity that happen. But the police, I think, are very sensitive when residents call to um, really hone in on the key um, areas and to know when um, crime may happen. But it's a very preventative and proactive approach. Um, I do think that the police department is, is one of the most community sensitive in our, our district as well. So they often are um, with community meetings and building a community advisory committee. Our offices work closely with our police department to ensure that our, our neighborhood is very safe. Governor Brown has proposed eliminating funding for redevelopment agencies. Um, talk to me about your opinion of, of this plan and your thoughts of redevelopment agencies in general and, and where they add value. I think that the governor's proposal is very dangerous and it may um, really disrupt a lot of the planning in progressive cities like San Francisco that have really developed great projects um, that create better housing opportunities for the lowest income neighborhoods, especially in the south and eastern parts of the city. Um, I'm skeptical of redevelopment though overall as a process. It's led to in the 50s and 60s to the devastation and destruction of many low-income neighborhoods and it's, it was often done with without a heart and with very destructive um, displacement kind of um, impacts especially of lower income and working families of different areas. South of Market is one place where there used to be many families living there. It's been displaced by more high-rise hotels and other um, types of structures but I think as redevelopment kind of reform moves forward. I want to be sensitive to ensuring that San Francisco can protect kind of its projects that preserve uh, decent housing and better housing for the lowest income populations. So I think the governor's proposal is very dangerous and may impact Treasure Island's development and the Bayview Hunters Point Lennar development as well. So we have to watch it very carefully, but I'm very skeptical. What are your thoughts on the city's economic development? Uh, are we on the right track? And what would you like to change about the city's approach to developing its economy? So I'm the chair of the Land Use Committee this year, and I was the vice chair last year with our former chair, Sophie Maxwell, from the Bayview Hunters Point area. 
And I, I guess I approach land use and economic development from a perspective. I, I want to see develop. I'm not against development, but I want it to be equitable so that we look at the lowest income populations or even middle income populations so that residents have a strong say um, as developments move forward, whether it's the Park Merced development in the southern, western part of the city, or it's even Treasure Island, where there's many low-income families that currently live there, but it's a strong voice for the residents that currently are there. But we also want to see new people moving into the city, and hopefully we focus um, also on families and housing that provides um, better homes and home opportunities for families. But I always say that I support equitable development. I also do feel that big Big business and downtown interests usually dominate the discussion on development, and I want to see a balance of those voices, but also with residents and environmentalists and others that also have an important say as we try to create more complete streets and um, better designed neighborhoods that make it more livable for everyone. Let's talk about the role of sports in the city's economic future. Are you happy with the plans for the America's Cup? Do you think that the city should spend money trying to keep the 49ers? Where are we with sports and the economy in the city? Okay, don't get me started. I could talk for a long time. Um, but I think America's Cup will help bring a tremendous boost to the economy, not just for San Francisco, but the whole Bay Area. And I think Mark Buell and the America's Cup Organizing Committee have a big task before them to raise a lot of the private sector money so that it doesn't impact negatively on our general fund. But I do think that the, the deal crafted by a lot of the forces from Larry Ellison to others is a really good one that will help a lot of parts of the city that need the help, especially along the waterfront. So the rebuilding of the ports is tremendous. And it's also a lot of engaging of community groups and the yacht clubs saying that they want to provide better um, boating opportunities and education for young people in the Mission District or hopefully in the Richmond and other places. But I know that um, as the America's Cup moves forward, there are many community-based groups that want to be a part of it. Um, we recently had communications from the Parks Council that want to ensure that swimming and um, a blue-green kind of project be created where um, the America's Cup also encourages improvements of the swimming pools so that people see how water is a big part of our lives that we should always have it around us. But I think the America's Cup will be wonderful for the city because we will be able to watch the race from the shores. And it's almost as if the San Francisco Bay Area region was created for the America's Cup. And I hope it stays with us for many, many years. Um, I really want to see the Giants win the World Series again. And already with um, spring training coming up, there's the this feeling of um, exhilaration about the Giants again. And I, I hope that the 49ers stay in the city and the Bayview-Hunters Point development is a key part of that. So I'll be making sure that I'm working with the mayor's office to ensure that we're in good communication with the, the Yorks and the 49ers as well. Because I, I think sports really helps encourage um, even children and our families to see our lives as athletics and physical activity is so important in healthy lifestyles and healthy communities as well. Are there any other issues that concern you that we haven't discussed or areas that you plan to concentrate on throughout your remaining term as supervisor? So some people don't know that we serve on a lot of other committees. I serve on the Bay Area Air Quality Management District. It's a regional body of all the counties, and we're trying to clean the air so there's even spare the air days when it gets really hot and muggy and smoggy that we're trying to encourage people to think about air quality and to um, um, share, share their cars or vehicles with others, to take their bikes to work like I do once a month now, or even to, to ride the bus more and to really um, stop our addiction to oil and reliance on cars. Um, I know that the transportation authority that we also sit on, each 
member of the Board of Supervisors, we're trying to think about how to manage the congestion in the heaviest, densest parts of the city from the downtown area to other places, but we're trying to look at a bunch of different ways to ensure that we're keeping the air clean, but also um, ensuring that it's not too congested, especially in the, the downtown area. Um, but I, I love my work on the Board of Supervisors. Um, it's um, it's often hard as a father of a, a soon-to-be middle schooler to, to balance kind of my work and role on the board, but um, it's been a wonderful honor to serve the people of the Richmond District and the city, and I love the challenges that are before us as well. So I, I really appreciate your questions about um, all the things that we're doing. Well, it looks like we're out of time, so we'll have to wrap this up. We've been talking to Supervisor Marr from District 1. Thank you so much for joining us on SFGov TV's Meet Your District Supervisor. Watch for the next episode of Meet Your District Supervisor when we'll return with another one of our 11 city supervisors. For SFGov TV, I'm Holly Lee Knox.